The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, and uh, we are uh, ready to rock and roll this Saturday morning. Numbers to get in, 466 5865 can find us on Twitter on Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln at Schmidt underscore radio for Chris Schmidt me at Herbal Essence for Elijah at Mark Skurs for Mark Cranach we'll dive into some post spring game thoughts it's been a week what a glorious Saturday last Saturday was with uh, you and about 40,000 of your closest Nebraska fans out enjoying some tackle football in the second half. Uh, coming up, uh, we are going to uh, rewind with DiCaprio Boodle. Some uh, really awesome thoughts from DeCap on uh, Nebraska, but also his journey off to the NFL in Kansas City. Uh, Brandon Vogel, our dear friend uh, with Hale Varsity. Uh, Vogue's uh, is off today. We'll check in with Parker Gabriel of the Lincoln Journal Star at uh, 8.06. And then the Iron Horse is Gary Sharp. Sharp, you'll be with us around 8.30. Krainak, you got me okay. I'm coming to you live from the uh, the Smoky Mountains. You remember uh, Cousin Dino. We're out here to see him, uh, spend some time with him. Uh, and uh, so far, so good. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, I'm doing okay. And you can hear me fine? Everybody can hear each yeah, other? Yeah, yeah. It's like... Yes, it's like Omaha. we're it's like we're in studio. Yes, it's like it's like Elijah's doing his job. It's he's like, doing money. Right? Yes, he's he's turning the right. Congrats, thanks, Elijah. I'm, I'm doing t- that. I'm taking that as a compliment. That, that's yeah. yeah. It's well, I, I wasn't insinuating that you usually don't. Uh, I'll just give you props for doing it. Right now, Elijah's usually taking a shot, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just yeah. to get through the Saturday. But people, it's not as it's not as easy as it sounds to like route. No, it's not all of these different sounds, so we can all hear each other. Plus the station, not have echo and feedback. It's a lot of stuff. But Elijah mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah, I got a large coffee sitting in front of me, and I'd like to thank the coffee really for carrying me through this morning. Thank you, Cody. We have the shout-out already. There we go. Yeah, we're shouting out <laughs> inanimate objects. That's good. That's good. So, Cranach, let's dive into uh, some spring thoughts. And mm. as we kind of add up the uh, the spring and look into the fall and 
maybe overreact to a second half of tackle football. Are you feeling okay? You feeling better? You feeling worse? You feeling about the same as you go into this uh, this summer session? Hmm. I would say feeling about the same because I, I don't okay. think I saw anything I wasn't expecting to see. But that's okay. I, I wasn't. Ex- I didn't. I wasn't expecting something outlandish. But I, but I think as long as you've followed the team and have been following them for some time, uh, you saw about what you've heard, right? I mean, you saw that Yant is a factor, despite his walk-on status. You saw that Gabe Irvin is a pro-style-looking running back. Um, you saw that Heinrich Harburg isn't somebody to take lightly. You saw that Adrian looked quicker, it, right? Like, you saw a lot of the things that you already think. You, you saw depth along the offensive line and size along the offensive line. Um, you saw a secondary that, well, you really didn't get to see a lot of what the, what the front-line guys have to offer just because of the format, but nothing nothing crazy happened, I guess, right? Like, I, there was nothing that stood out more than, like, I'd expect, I guess. There wasn't, like, this shocker. Like, holy crap, where, where did that guy... There was none of that. You know what stood out to me? It, and, and it was super vanilla, and, and that's totally okay. But a couple of things. One was Yant, and this isn't to... We're already breaking fire code with, with <laughs> you know, the high Talking train on, yeah. well, a, a little bit. And part of its situation, part of its availability, part of its, well, here's who we got to see, really, right? Yeah. But I like watching him run the football. I like watching him take on contact. I like watching him break contact, and then I like his acceleration. I mean, he had a couple of nice back-to-back runs. Now, it wasn't against Cam Taylor-Britt. It wasn't against Ty Robinson. But it was he did what he was supposed to do, and, and he excelled at it. I, I think he's going to be more than just a spring story. Now, whether that is because of his determination, right, or maybe it's due to what that running back room looks like, not his fault. I, he's a guy, if they keep kind of grooming him, that I think can do some nice things for Nebraska. And, you know, give me a give me a bigger power back in the Big Ten because Nebraska, you know, when Mills was healthy, worked well with, with – uh, and Mills wasn't a huge back, but he had, you know, he had some downhill ability. And, of course, Zigbo, who we saw on the sidelines uh, during the, the spring game, I mean, things went well offensively with Nebraska running the football. This is all obviously keyed by the offensive line. But I, I'm okay with Yant. You know, Scott, I thought, had a nice run yeah. and looked pretty pretty fast. And with, with Gabe Irvin, I mean, I love how he was able to start inside, bounce outside, break contain because of his speed. So, no, I mean, I don't. I don't think Nebraska is going to be hurting at, at running back. You just haven't seen enough of these guys to go, okay, 
uh, this is the next uh, all-conference performer. Are they good? Yes. Are they great? We don't know. Is there anybody in that running back room that can get to be great, can be, you know, in, in, See. in the long list of, of, of really good backs? And I don't think we, you know, was a Zigbo great? You know, he was somewhere between good and great, but, man, he was he worked <laughs> you know it it worked with him so that's where yeah. my that's where my head's at right now with nebraska's running game can you find a uh, give me three backs that that work and just give them an opportunity to get lathered up and use them let's not get herky jerky with our rotation and on the uh list of to-do duties let's refine uh, between now and and work through fall camp to get better about what 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 will or or has kept you off the field, if you're any one of these one to three running backs. Yeah, it's, look, there. I don't see out of all those guys. You have options. I think you have productive options. I think you have multiple productive productive options. I don't think you have a home run hitting wow dude. At least right now, and. and you don't even necessarily need one, right? I'm not saying you need that. Rex Burkhead was not a home run hitting wow guy. He was really good. <laughs> so, like, it's okay. You don't have to be that guy. Um, but those guys are fun. They're more fun to watch. They're, they give you they're, – they're more of an eraser. Hell, I don't even know if Amir Abdullah was a – you know, he broke off some yeah, fairly I long would runs. Say, but I would say Amir's a home run guy, and I would say if we flip like, on the he Ohio got, he State – hot. He got. I'm talking about the dude that just houses it. Amir got hawked a few times. Amir's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I mean, come on. He's no, no, you're not. You're not nitpicking Amir. I, Amir was. He's great. Amir was. Great. Amir was great. Rex was but great. Ruck, Rutgers couldn't hawk him. Every other team could. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Whatever. You don't um, like getting caught. You don't like getting caught from behind. Is your is exactly? Your thing, right? I just want to see gotcha. it like. Like Taylor Martinez, for instance, did not get hawked. Lawrence Phillips did not get hawked. Amon hardly ever. Held Dan Baker Alexander. Mayfield run down by the police. He yeah, got I'm caught. Talking, <laughs> I'm talking these top top end speed guys. But now I'll tell you one thing, and this this will be an eye roller to a certain section of the Nebraska fan base. The fastest, most darting player on the field by far was Adrian Martinez. Sure. Now, he did actually elicit some gasps from the crowd, some wows, some murmurs. Like, you could hear it. Because, I mean, he was by far. Maybe it's the green jersey and the no contact, whatever. You have to take all that into consideration. But in terms of how he actually moved, the speed at which he moved versus everybody else on the field, there was no one close. I don't know if that translates to like a four three five when he's timed in a forty, but I'm talking mm-hmm. on the field in pads, game speed. That dude was moving at a way different clip than than I've actually seen from him. Maybe since freaking Colorado his freshman year. I mean, he no, he looked at way different. He speed. looked he looked game one fast, you know. Well, 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 he really does, man. Well, the difference from Adrian from the other runners is, is on a football field, you're not running 40 yards in a straight line like you are in the, the underwear Olympics, you know? Um, yeah. you, you're you're going to be out there moving, changing direction. And, and I just think he had the best change of direction. He looked the most dynamic as a runner. Uh, he looked like yeah. he could change direction quickly. Uh, he looked like he had 
probably the best vision of, of the running backs as well. Um, I'm not, he's not a running back, but uh, considering how much he ran the ball last year, he just looks like the most experienced runner out there in terms of finding the hole, hitting the hole, and hitting the hole hard. Yep, and accelerating through it. Yep. And, you, and, and I was, you know, they're just tagging off on him because he's in a green no-contact jersey, plus there's no tackling. So there's, like, really no tackling for the quarterback. Even the thudding is, like, questionable. you got to be careful. But there were a couple of those plays where I'm, I'm like, yo, unless that is Ed Reed, that safety's not. No safety's making that tackle. That, unless that's Mike Brown back there, like, eh, sure, he's breaking that tackle. That's a house call. There, there was probably two or three of those. So he stood out to me from that standpoint. Now, will they run him that much? They're they're going to. I think it depends on. What they get out of their running backs, obviously. I think they're going to try and be cautious. I think they may be uber cautious with his carries. And you need him right. No, I know. You need him right. You need him healthy. That's my question to you, though. I mean, are you going to find something that you can go bread and butter on with any one of your X number of running backs so you're not – you're not running Adrian. And, Craig Ankle, let's get into this here, man, the quarterbacks. You know, did did you see enough with the backups to avoid the portal? And I know that's been the question all week, and I know Scott Frost kind of answered that Thursday night. So I'm, I'm good with it. If they're going to sit and stand pat with uh, with uh, what they have in the, in the quarterback room and continue to develop that, I'm, I'm good with it. And I think – I know Smothers and, and Harburg are, are battling and each have uh, their own you know, ground to make up with where they're at in their careers. There's Matt Masker as well. But I, God forbid Adrian gets knocked out or has to miss or someone twists his foot wrong like the Colorado goon. I'm okay with seeing Harburg, assuming he continues to progress with the the offensive concepts. I'm okay to see... The offense go to go to go to a quarterback run centric offense if it's Logan Smothers, but you you ask him to throw some passes that you're comfortable with him throwing, and then there's Masker who's been around and and I think has some trust. I think any one of those three can go in and manage for you with Harburg being my favorite of the three that has some skill sets to go maybe make some plays for you despite his age. Mm-hmm. But push comes to shove. If Adrian goes down or misses time in 2021, and I hate even talking about this because you never even want to bring garbage like that up for the kid. You know, it is going to come down to your offensive line, your run game, and your defense to 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 pull a, a 1994 Manhattan visit. All right, I mean, it just yeah. that's just what it's going to be. It's going to have to be everything else picking up uh, to to supplement the loss of, of probably your best player on offense. Yeah. It's, it's difficult out of those three. I, I agree. Maybe without, I, I agree not going into the portal unless Joe Burrow pops up. And by that, I right. mean Nebraska legacy, high level of training fits the offense, right? That's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of the three, I would, I would tend to agree, not knowing what he looks like against top top line defensive stuff, top line defenses. Har- Harburg jumps out the most. 
he just he just obviously has a, a much higher ceiling than really anybody on that campus at quarterback. <laughs> I mean, sure, <laughs> right? Like his ceiling is it's ridiculous. And the thing I was most impressed with is like the guy was playing Class C football, you know, six months ago, seven months ago. And the, to go from that to college football and to look like he he did not look antsy. He didn't look overwhelmed. He didn't look – he was not giving off – if he was feeling that way, it wasn't outwardly obvious. It wasn't exactly Joe Bowserman out there. You know yeah, that I mean? was a like, nice he, reference where he's throwing picks to John Stanley Baptiste. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, right? I mean, that guy looked completely overwhelmed and, like, out of his league. You know, he had no, I, he had no business being on the field. Harburg, after playing Class C football, you know, six seven months ago, totally acts like he belongs. Actually, had a pretty good feel of when to take off. When well, he went, scramble, and, ran, when he went and won the damn game, Cranank. I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, of course. I guess there's that part if you want to call it a game. <laughs> yes, he did that part. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, he got his he got his Mac Brown back. moment and and found a touchdown pass. It was sweet. He's impressive, but you nailed it. It's now, do you look at any of those quarterbacks and be like, well, yeah, that's the guy that can come in and win a game for you when it's on the line? Eh, I'm not going there yet. No, the, going the there take yet. is which, which can you come in back. and not lose? Can you come in and not lose the game? Right. Which goes back to get that running game on point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it feels mm-hmm. like you have options there. Smothers, look, I, it's kind of interesting how quickly he's being kind of counted out in some ways. Um, but I think it's because of just the not, – nothing really stood out, whereas with Harburg, some things did, right? Like something. Well, you really see, did. you see some potential. You see some totally. potential in in Harburg's arm, and and now nine to twenty three is 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 not wonderful, but no. it, it was a it was a quality versus a quantity thing with his throws. The thing that you're you're worried about with with Smothers is you know you just hear the the whispers a little bit about all right what's the guy's arm like you have no doubt about his 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 mental ability you have no doubt about his toughness you don't you don't question his ability to to run and take off you're just wondering is is he a good enough thrower to be able to make plays in this offense and can he can he make the plays in this offense uh, throwing the football so you're not limiting this offense, and and he's a work in progress. The the, the look I get at Smothers is there, there's a reason they brought him here, and, and he may not be a ready made guy, but I think if you stick with him, he is going to be something that could pay off at the end. It's going to be a kind of a long term investment with him, and and I don't I don't foresee him just kind of packing up and, and taking off if, if he's not a, a second-team guy. And I know that's like a, 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 a leap right now, but I think he realizes that the work he needs. And to be honest with you, he's been shafted a bit based on circumstances like a, like a lot of college kids this, this spring uh, where you didn't have a last spring. You, you haven't had time to – He's put work in on his own, sure, but when it comes to work with team members and just getting things down, uh, he he was affected like a lot of kids with the pandemic. On top of the fact he came in injured, right when he did come in early, so 
I, I'm I'm all about giving him as much time as he needs to to grow and develop. And look, it's not that he can't throw or or couldn't execute some some of the passing game. It just doesn't look like he's in the same kind of conversation as you have already with Harburg, just from a natural skill set. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I think I think it's it's pretty effortless with with Harburg. Um, not necessarily the case with with uh, with Smothers, but that but look, it's, it's early, man. It's it's, it's he's sure. young, plenty of time. There's something to be said for being a gamer versus you know being a practice guy. Like that matters because you look at you know his high school game film. He like you know his he just team won. Was, yeah, his team was pretty damn near undefeated, and he was breaking off huge plays. So. He, and and at, at a really high level in Alabama too, um, mm-hmm. like a high uh, high degree of competition. You know, one there are a couple things that I'm, I'm just left going, huh? What is that about? Xavier Betts being on the white team that threw me that threw me off a little bit. I was you had to like, kind of break it up a little bit, didn't you? I, was that it? I don't know. I, I don't want to read too much into it, but I'm just like, what? Why? Wait, like, if you can afford to put him on the white. Like, was that intentional just to spread out, like you're saying, spread out the talent a little? Or was that, was that an indictment on how he's been practicing or that he's just been lapped like that? Is it a good sign that, say, somebody like an Omar Manning was on the red versus bets on the white? But it surprised me that he wasn't on the red. Um, yeah, I, I wish. I don't know. I wish I would have seen more from, from Betts. Now, I know they tried to go down the sideline to him, and it – bounced off his helmet and then he kind of hit the brakes awkwardly not that he got hurt but it just didn't look very comfortable with how he came to a stop there's a couple of times too that they went deep to him in in uh, the open practice session three weeks ago where he uh he got kind of tied up with it with a defensive back on some of the hitch routes or or the uh the slants they'd, they'd just be working on you know, where the, the little stop routes, he'd catch and make a move. So I think Betts is, is fine. I think Betts is just a, a continued work in progress when it comes to getting everything down. We talk about trust a lot, don't we, Cranack, with, well, the running back's got to be trusted to know what to do, right? So I think there's that element of it with the wide receiver room and, and is is breathtaking as Betts is. I think there are some guys that are still kind of a work in progress too, getting things down on the offense. It's not an effort question with Betts. I'm just, does he have everything he needs to have down there to uh, to to go out there and be able to run everything? Yeah, who knows? That's what I'm saying. It just made me kind of like, hmm, there's something going on there. That's interesting. Um, a couple little subplots that were interesting to watch too. Is it, by the way, are we going Prohaska or Prochaska for Teddy? We're going Prohaska, man. Isn't that how it right? goes? Yeah. I would think so. I mean, I know that's got to be the original Bohunk way to say it. It has to be. Um, so we'll go with Prohaska until <laughs> until we're until told he, otherwise. You know, you watch, says so no. watching him versus Damian Jackson was pretty <laughs> freaking awesome. Because you, you're just a mat, you know, Damian Jackson, what, 1% body fat. You know, 30, 30 years old, <laughs> served his country as a Navy SEAL, chiseled, strong, r- ridiculously strong, but also kind of undersized, right? Like 6'2", mm. 270. And then there's Prohaska, who's 
NFL prototype right now, <laughs> but but still like you know still uh, should be at Elkhorn South, six eight two eighty or six eight two ninety five or whatever. I'm just I was just trying to imagine what's going through someone like Teddy Prohaska's mind when he's lighting up across from a seal. It is just like, what am I doing? Who is this guy? He held his own. He did fine. Um, but just some little little sub battles there. And then that totally stood out too, now that I think about it. But Ben Hart, Banks, Prohaska, uh, to a lesser degree, Corcoran. You got some yeah. monsters on that O-line, man. They're good. We won't get I mean, to some, the... Uh... But just physically, there's just their Brand Banks is enormous. <laughs> yeah, know? he's I mean, he's, like, he's a great option at guard or tackle. We'll hit the yeah, rewind. DiCaprio Boodles on the way with Hale Varsity. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it, hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Another Husker off to the NFL. DiCaprio Boodle joins us. And DiCaprio, take me through uh, this weekend for you. Hoping to hear your name, but it sounds like and it looks like a, a good spot for you in Kansas City. How'd the weekend go for you? Yeah, um, I would say overall it went well. You know, I was hoping to hear my name early. Um, didn't get my name called, but, you know, shortly after I was getting phone calls from a plethora of different teams and you know, eventually just landed myself a home in Kansas City and you know now it's just time to go to work and I'm just so excited for the opportunity. DiCaprio Boodle with us on Hale Varsity. How did you kind of settle in on Kansas City between you and your agent and tell us about some of the other offers that you had to weigh? Um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had offers from all over different places like um, Atlanta, some of the LA teams, um, Kansas City obviously, but um, you know, when it just came down to it, Kansas, Kansas City seemed like the best option for me. And, you know, it's it's kind of like a similar vibe to, you know, what I was in in college as well, too. So, you know, I'm just super excited to get back out to the Midwest and be able to play some more football. DiCaprio, tell me a little bit more about that vibe. Describe it about that, that Kansas City vibe. A lot of us, a lot of the listeners have been to Arrowhead and it is it is rocking. It's a good time. And uh, the, the vibe you got from the organization, take us through uh, their pitch to you. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a great organization, an organization that obviously wants to win and win a lot. And I see a lot of, you know, similarities in, in the want and the desire to win and, and the desire to love the game of football between, you know, Nebraska and Kansas City as well. And, you know, just two, um, two programs that, you know, are – are, are in the similar area geographically and just, you know, kind of fit me pretty, pretty well. DiCaprio Boodles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And DiCaprio, as you're getting to the later rounds of the draft, I mean, everyone wants to hear their name get called. Um, but now that you've settled in Kansas City and Kansas City is the spot where you're going to be fighting for a roster spot next year, are, are you, you know, disappointed that you still didn't get drafted? I mean, because now you, you end up on a team that's, I mean, now with Patrick Mahomes year in, year out, they're championship favorites. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, anybody would be disappointed, um, you know, putting in so much work and, you know, just not hearing your name called. But ultimately, you know, I'm in a great situation and, you know, just excited to go out and work and nothing else really matters anymore. The draft is over and, and right now it's all about making making a roster spot, you know, 
being on the active roster and just being a part of the organization. And DiCaprio, in the last couple of years, there's been a pretty good line of Huskers uh, defenders going undrafted and still making a roster spot and making a good name for themselves in the NFL. I think of Will Compton. I think of even Lamar Jackson last year, Luke Gifford a couple of years ago. Are, are those guys that you can turn to and ask them questions as you're going through this process as an undrafted free agent? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, um, the Nebraska boys, you know, just it's such a brotherhood that, you know, you can go ahead and you can ask somebody questions from you know, guy, guy that played way before your time, you can ask him questions about his process. And, you know, um, guys that are playing after me coming to me asking me questions about my process. So, you know, um, I've taken a lot of good information from all of those guys. Um, you know, all the guys that have kind of gone through it the way that, I, that um, I've gone through it so far. And as well as, you know, some of the guys that actually did get to hear their name called and just um, being able to relate off of their experiences and stuff as well as, you know, I had a, a coach who played nine years in, in the NFL and Travis Fisher who kind of already, you know, knows knows how the league operates and, you know, just knows, um, you know, knows how to coach his guys and, and how to get them prepared and ready for this next level regardless of how it looks. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a great position right now. I'm blessed. I'm thankful. And I'm just so ready to work. DiCaprio Boodle joining us here. Hail Varsity Radio, part of the Kansas City Chiefs as uh, a number of Huskers uh, living out their NFL dreams here after the, o- the 2021 draft. And DiCaprio, let's go back to Pro Day. And you've played a lot of college football. You've been versatile uh, between corner and, and playing nickel and also some safety time at Nebraska. But you had a chance during the Pro Day to, to kind of light it up, and you did with your speed. And um, take me through your, your prep for that. And, and that moment uh, and how you were able to, to go kind of show out but stay calm in that moment. Uh, how was that process for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, the process was great for me, especially, you know, getting the results out at the end that I wanted. Um, you know, it just started early early January. I started training for, for my 40. So, um, you know, I would just work at it every week, day after day, and, you know, just was kind of, you know, focusing on making sure that I did everything that I could to to ensure success, and sure enough, that's that's what happened. I believe that to be true, and not only just you know running fast, but you know as well for my for my whole pro day, and you know those are the types of things that it's kind of like how I live my life, just you know preparing for whatever it is in front of me, and just you know as long if I can if I can prepare properly, then I can prevent poor performance and. You know, just continuing to understand that in my lifestyle and, and, you know, when I have a goal, just being able to have the laser focus to go ahead and go get it. I mean, it was it was great, but it took a lot of a lot of hard work, a lot of determination. Some days I was frustrated, but, you know, as long as I kept my eyes on the prize, I, I knew that it would pay off in the end, and it did. DiCaprio, you, you're a guy who's had a lot of perseverance uh, to, to get on, on the radar, be it uh, the satellite camp where Nebraska noticed you, to you know, scout team in Lincoln, and then a, a number of career starts to some honorable mention all Big Ten teams. You know, where did you get that drive from? How did that kind of get instilled in you to keep grinding and and kind of reach your goals? Um, you know, I just always been a, a hard a hard worker. Um, you know, my parents just really raised me to be a hard worker and just to know that anything that I want, if if I truly want it, you know, I have to work towards it and. You know, um, if if I'm not so great at something, you know, as long as I continue to work at it and, and work at it and chip away at it, then eventually, you know, um, if it's for me, I won't be denied. So, um, it, it just just kind of just kind of going off of that, just knowing that 
know, I'm a hard worker because of my parents, because of who they are, them being hardworking people and instilling that into me. And, you know, I, I believe that will carry me a long way. And, you know, um, I'm not a guy who takes reps off, who takes plays off or anything because that's not hard work in itself. So, you know, just being able to go out and do something over and over and over again um, with an intent to either get better or get something out of it is something that, you know, I credit myself with just because my parents really instilled that in me at a young age. Let's talk about Coach Fisher and and uh, your relationship with him. And you just alluded to, to his career in the NFL, and he's done well with, with his coaching background, with, with getting guys ready for the league. And he said this spring, it's not can you go, but can you stay, right, in the NFL. And, and I'm interested to get your uh, perspective on Coach Fisher, his advice, his mentoring, and just how he was able to, to take your talent – and, and obviously hard work, but you two worked together to get coached up to be the best you can be. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just so thankful that, you know, I was able to spend my last couple of years with Coach Fisher. Um, you know, I just, as, as, a, as a coach, you know, I have so much respect for him as a coach. Um, he's a guy who really, you know, I'm a hard worker, but he's a guy who, who, who really get the best out of you, you know, even when, when you're working hard, you know, just being able to have that voice to, to push you to go even harder and, you know, to, to work even harder and um, just to be able to, to go through and expect the unexpected and, and to be able to maneuver and all that kind of stuff. Right now, Coach Fisher, as, as a coach, he's the type of coach that, that coaches you and prepares you for beyond the level that, that, that you're at right now so that way you can dominate the level that you're at um, in that being college and then um, being able to go into the pros and understand how to maneuver in the things that are like, like he said, it's not about getting there, but it's about staying there, the things that will make you stay, the things that you can continuously do to, you know, ensure your success and to ultimately, you know, um, give yourself the longevity in the league. So, you know, as a coach, um, just looking back, um, in hindsight, I'm just so thankful for him. Just so thankful that you know he's he, he grinded my gears. Uh, you know, on days where I was doing, where I was having great practices, just you know, tighten me up even more. And on days where you know I wasn't having such great practices, you know, just tighten me, t- making sure I was tightened up even more then as well. So you know, just just having him as a coach and just knowing, being able to soak up all the knowledge that he has for the game and you know taking it and 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 making it, that part of the game kind of my own is just you know. That's what every athlete dreams of coming into college football is playing for a coach that understands the game and, and knows the game and, and will be able to prepare you for the next level beyond that. So I'm just so thankful for Coach Fish. And, you know, we have a relationship that will go on forever. So, you know, I'm, I'm just thankful for him. That's my guy. DiCaprio Boodles with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And DiCaprio, the NCAA put in an eligibility freeze after this last season. So you, you did, if you wanted to, to take it, have uh, one more year of work with Coach Fisher and the Husker coaching staff, uh, if you wanted to do that. So, so could you take me through that decision uh, to kind of forego that and decide to go straight into the NFL? Uh, yeah, I mean, any time that you have a, a, an option like that, regardless um Regardless of when it is, any time you know you have a decision to make like that, it's going to be a hard decision. So, you know, um, I thought about it, I prayed on it, I asked God to guide me in the right direction. Ultimately, He did. You know, um, it was just I felt like it was my time to go in Lincoln, and uh, you know, my coaches, you know, as as much as they would have loved to have me back, and as much as they told me that they would, but they would have loved to have me back. You know, they also supported my decision and understood that, you know, I did have an opportunity to go do something special. So, um, you know. 
just just going going through that whole decision making process, I knew like my my time in Nebraska had came to an end and you know, just a place that I had grew to love and, you know, just call home over the past couple of years that, that chapter was kind of ending but um, you know, I I know that's still like my second home and, you know, to to this day, you know, I still think about uh my memories in Nebraska and you know, just so thankful for my time there, but it was just kind of sort of time for me to to move on into in, in a direction to to um, experience bigger things. Now, now I, I want to ask you about that spring game on Saturday. I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch it, but I just want to ask: was it was it strange to know that you, your teammates were out there playing in front of the the crowd at Nebraska, and now you'd you'd moved on and you were focused on on bigger and better things? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I was definitely rooting for those guys. You know, I, I understood that. You know, especially with them, um, you know, a, a lot of those guys from, from the team last year ended up coming back. And, you know, a lot of those guys I've, I've had so many um, experiences with. So I was, I'm was i just happy that they got a chance to go out there and, you know, do what they wanted to do. Because last year we didn't have a spring ball at all. So it kind of got them back on track to do what they, what they wanted to do. But, you know, anytime those guys step on the field this year, I'll be happy to root for them and, you know, um, I'm just really excited for what they could do. DiCaprio, what was last season like for you? Weird season, no fans, uh, some ups and downs with with the not you personally, but just the team where you're on the cusp of a lot of you know coin flip games, and and then you you had that breakthrough against Penn State where the secondary really kind of took over as Penn State was threatening. But overall, can you describe your your last season in Lincoln? Yeah, um, weird, weird to say the less. Just off of the fact that um, Memorial's always full, you know, and just it being empty this year was was kind of weird. Just seeing it kind of empty, um, but you know, <laughs> it's it's still football nonetheless. And once the once the whistle blows to start the game, it's a it's a full blown game. So you know, we didn't lose sight of that at all. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely um, it was a it was a fun year for me. Um, I enjoyed it. It was a lot different than the other previous years, just because of the flow of the year with COVID and all that type of stuff. So um, you know, there were just a whole bunch of different wrenches getting thrown in the plans and different things happening, and you know, you just kind of had to expect the unexpected. And I think as a team, we handled that pretty well. We didn't have any games canceled due to COVID, and you know, we. There were some close games that kind of slipped away, and you know, as a team, they'll they'll be better um, for this year because of that. And you know, they'll, they'll just continue to chip away at what they need to. Coach Frost is a great coach, and you know, he'll continue to make the adjustments necessary. Coach Chins will have the defense right. Coach Lugo's had an offense right, and you know, those those guys they'll go on to hopefully play in front of a full crowd this year, and you know, everything. Hopefully, they'll get back to some sense of normalcy. So you have a pretty good feel that this team's really close to to kind of turning the corner. Yeah, the, the the team's been close for um for for a couple of years now, so I I think it's that time for them to go ahead and turn the corner. Yep. What's your your take on on your mates still in the secondary? Of course, Cam at corner, Deontay uh, at uh, at safety, and then Markel, and then some some young pups behind, and then they're trying to kind of fill your spot if possible. Opposite corner with Newsom and Clark and and Joseph and Lynham, 
Uh, give us kind of a, a look-see into that secondary you left behind here. How good do you feel about it? Oh, I, I feel great about it, especially with, um, you know, with Coach Fisher. It's always competition between, you know, the starter and, you know, the walk-on that probably just arrived yesterday. Um, so no matter what, you know, it's always time to work. So those guys, when it, when it's time for them to work, they'll put in the work. They'll have their um, off-season battles. The depth try to be made. Those guys will continue to work hard, continue to try to push each other and compete. And, you know, um, the, the best men will come out victorious. And, you know, they'll continue to be a family, continue to, to help each other. Um, you know, hopefully those guys get up to speed to where it's not just four of them uh, playing in a football game, but it might be seven, eight, or nine of them playing in a football game, you know. Um, but I know that I have no nothing but faith in that group. And, you know, when, when the lights come on, those guys won't even blink. They'll be ready to go, and they'll pick up where they left off last year and, go ahead and, and, and really be a, a key part of the team. So I'm really excited to watch them work. I'm really excited to watch what they do on Saturdays this fall. And, you know, I know Coach Fish will tighten them up and get them there. So you know, I'm not worried about them at all. Another Husker off to the NFL. DiCaprio Boodle joins us. And we'll get you out of here, DiCaprio, just real quick. Was there ever a moment you're getting ready for practice and uh, you thought you had a good practice and – Someone's kind of getting behind you in in the rear view, so rear rear view, so to speak, with uh, maybe uh, taking some reps or time away. Or is there an instance that uh, that comes to your mind, or a story about? Because Coach Fish doesn't joke around, does he? When it comes to that competition chart. Yeah, yeah, uh, he yeah he doesn't uh, joke around at all. He that that chart is you know is like his baby. He, he's taking care of that chart and continuing to, to tally everything. It's to the point where, like, you know, guys or guys fight for their points. You know, that's that's a big thing. That's actually it's not a myth. It's not a gimmick or anything. Like, that's a real thing. So, um, you know, if you go in his office, he'll have it before every meeting. He'll put it up. You know, guys will fight for their points. Guys will try to say, oh, I caught this pick in bounds. Or guys will try to say, oh, I punched this ball out in practice. Or I did this. Or I did that. And you know, the one thing about it is, like, the film don't lie. So sometimes things are a little sketchy. We vote on it, and, um, you know, it just comes out like that. But uh, we've had we've had times where, you know, I've, I've had a good practice. Maybe I acquired maybe 12 points in a practice, and guys start to question um, whether what I did was legal or, you know, something <laughs> like that. So it's just, it's just a whole bunch of competition going on. You know, sometimes guys vote against guys getting points, and sometimes guys vote for other guys to get points. Um, so, you know, it's just, it just kind of keeps everything fun and, and competitive and, you know, gives you a reason to practice hard. So um, that, that competition chart, you know, it's, it's really a, a real thing, and I think it's one of the best things that, that goes on in, in our room. So there's got some there's some politics to it. It sounds like man. <laughs> oh oh yeah yeah. Believe if if you're too far out in front uh, of the chart and there's a sketchy play, the guys will vote against you for sure. <laughs> when it comes to the Kansas City DiCaprio Boodle, it's been awesome to get caught up with you. I thought are you thinking dime? You thinking corner? You thinking safety? Have you had that communication yet with Kansas City? Uh yeah. I mean uh, just talk, talking to the coaches. Um you know. Just, just fit in where I fit in, you know. Um, I told them that I'm ready to play whatever. Um, I'm sure they have plans for me, and I'm, I'm ready to be wherever they want me to be. 
But, um, you know, the biggest thing that, that we've talked about is just coming in, being ready to play, and, you know, just being ready to, to you know, um, contribute early. So, you know, I'm, that's just my main focus right now, wherever it is. You know, like I always joke joke around and say, you know, if they want to put me on the D-line, put me on the D-line, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I know and that's unrealistic, but I give it my all. You know, whatever it is to help the team, whatever it is to help the team win, you know, that's what I'm, what I'm willing and ready to do. So, you know, that's just pretty much it for me. Last thought from you here, DiCaprio, before we let you go. The, the thought of lining up against Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball. Uh, I'm sure you're going to be doing it here in fall camp. Is that thought terrifying or is that thought exciting no it's, it's actually honestly really exciting you know uh patrick mahomes one of the best quarterbacks in the game um you know has a has a great career ahead of him already already have has had a great career thus far and you know i'm just really excited to be able to go out there and get that work have that be able to compete against him because uh you know that's that those are the things that are, that are going to get me better those are the things that are gonna you know help me out with the game and if, if I can do well against Patrick Mahomes and I can do well on any given Sunday so you know I'm, I'm ready to go out there and you know compete. DiCaprio Boodle with us. DiCaprio best to you. We'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time today. Yeah, thank you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Hail Varsity Radio, Saturday morning show. Nice to have you alongside. My name's Mark Cranack, alongside Elijah Herbal. We're shuffling things up a little bit in the host chair this morning. Um, prayers and thoughts to Chris and, and his family. He's out in the Smoky Mountains um, visiting family that was having a tough time and got an awful, awful message uh, this morning, literally during the show. And um, so Chris is spending time with his family, as he should. Um out in the Carolinas and um, me and Elijah will hold it down for the rest of the show. I actually got to jump out at the bottom of the hour for a kid's baseball game. So Elijah will handle Gary Sharp later in the hour um, solo. So appreciate you uh, sticking with us here. And let's bring in Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Journal Star, HuskerExtra.com. Parker, first of all, I have followed Parker on Twitter for quite some time. Never actually gotten to speak to to you before, sir. So it's a pleasure. Your work is fantastic. And you bring such a unique perspective. So I'm going to hit you right away with some macro stuff here. All right. Having gone to Wisconsin, being around Wisconsin, being around that stability, being around that success, and then coming to Nebraska where you really did not have stability. You really did not have success. Nebraska's trying to build towards that. From your view how much closer is Nebraska to having a stable, successful, competitive, consistent program, which really is what defines Wisconsin and has for a decade plus? Yeah, good morning, guys. And that's very nice of you, Mark. It's good to be on with you. I, um, it's, it's an interesting question, and it's one, you know, the, 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 the most interesting wrinkle on it maybe is that you know, Barry, what Barry Alvarez built at Wisconsin and the sort of success and consistency and continuity 
there was based on the model from here. And now it's sort of the other way around where you're trying to recapture. I think it's closer in Lincoln now to being stable. And we've seen that Scott Frost is going to get a long runway. Uh, We've seen sort of, you know, staff continuity over the past couple of years for the most part. I mean, everyone has turnover, but um, you've seen the more staff continuity the past few years, and you've seen um, an identity really start to build, particularly on defense. You know, you, you get the sense that those guys on on defense for sure, and, and, and on offense to some degree, but I think it's still building there. They know what the standard is. They know what they're being asked to do. They know the responsibilities on the field, all of that. And so I think the – I think you're you're sort of marching steadily back closer to the continuity aspect of it. Now, the big thing, and the thing that at the end of the day is the one that matters and that people care about is the success part of it. And the question is, does you know stability lead to success, or does success lead to stability, or is there some sort of magic combination in there? And we don't really know the answer to that question as it pertains to this. Uh, coaching staff in this program, you know, as it's currently as it currently is in the current day. So uh, that's I think uh, 2021 uh, will be an important year in trying to figure out that equation. Parker Gabriel's with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Parker, it just feels like a lot of Husker fans are waiting for this this Husker football team to to turn the corner. Uh, so I just want to ask you when you're looking at this 2021 season, this 2021 schedule. What kind of season do you think it'll take to, to appease these Husker fans and, and for this team to, to, to turn that proverbial corner? Yeah, that, that's a good question, Elijah. I mean, I, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to – you saw, I mean, you know, Bill Moose threw out uh, eight or nine win range. He said it'd be great to be in the eight or nine win range. He didn't say, you know, we have to win eight or nine games. But even still, you know, that, that generated a reaction. And I, I think – I mean – I think if you're seven and five, there's some people that are going to say, Hey, that's good progress. And there's some people who, you know, if you're seven and five and you lose to Iowa again, and you lose to Wisconsin again, and you know, and, and you split with Northwestern and Minnesota or something like that. I mean, there's still going to be some people that are, are going to say, Hey, now wait a second. You know, there's, yeah, it's great. We got more wins, but you're still, you know, we got to get to beat the teams in the, in the division. So it always, to me, like, how do you get there? How do you know, there's a seven and five mark that probably, you know, feels all right with a bowl win after that and all of that. And um, there's a seven and five that might not feel great, but it's a tough schedule. So I think the first, you know, I, I would say, you know, my thinking on it is you take it as it comes, you know, first you try to get to six to make sure you get in a bowl game. Then it's like, once you're there, it's like, okay, um, you know, let's see about seven. And then, and then if it's, you know, if you're six and five, you're like, okay, we made a bowl game. Now let's try to get to seven. If you're six and two or something like that, okay, Hey, let's go try to win the division. So it's really, to me, you just sort of take it as it comes. And I think you want to see as much on the field as you want to see in the record. You just want to see him play cleaner. You want to see improvement in special teams. You want to see Adrian Martinez play well. And if, if those things happen, then the record will take care of itself or the record will be a little more palatable wherever it ends up, whether it's, you know, six, seven or on beyond that. So Parker Gabriel's with us from the Lincoln journal star and Husker extra.com. 
you just mentioned Adrian Martinez and look at the spring game. They were just thudding up and there was no tackling a quarterback period because of the green jersey. So huge grain of salt, chunk of salt, you'll have to call it. But Martinez looked to me, he, he was moving at a different speed than literally every other player on the field. Was that because of the green and the thudding up? Or do you think it's more because... No, he's a fourth-year guy that knows exactly what he's doing now. Plus, he's gotten his body into shape. Where, where do you net out on that? Yeah, a little bit of both probably, but I would lean more towards um, him being fast. You know, I mean, I think it's not, you know, if you, you watch enough, it doesn't take, you don't have to be uh, Bill Parcells, you know. If, if you watch enough football, you can tell when a guy's really fast and when he's not. And I just thought, I mean, I thought when we saw him in practice the midway through and I thought during the spring game, like, I thought Adrian looked fast. And every coach and every player you've talked to so far this spring has said he looks fast. And so, you know, part of it, it's always, it's hard to grade the quarterback play in situations like that, not only because, like you said, you know, they can't get tackled and all that, but that changes the mentality it just does a little bit you know he knows he's not going to fumble the ball in the in the spring game and so you don't have to think about it you know and so that that you still want to you still want to if you're a quarterback i think go through your steps and protect the ball as you near what would have been the point of contact and all of that but you just don't really you just it's just different so um i think he i thought he looked fast i thought he looked healthy um and you know now the now the uh, key is to keep fine-tuning that up through August and then try to find a way to keep them fast and healthy through as much of the season as possible. Now, now Parker, whenever I was watching the spring game last week, it, it looked to me like Adrian Martinez was the most dynamic ball carrier that the Huskers had on offense. Uh, would you, A, agree with that assessment, and B, after the amount of workload that Adrian Martinez had to take on uh, carrying the ball last year, is that a concern to you if he is the most dynamic runner? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of a concern, obviously. It's okay if he's the most dynamic runner, but you need someone because he's, you know, there's guys that are just like that, you know. I mean, Lamar Jackson was the most dynamic runner at Louisville, but it was fine because he's a Heisman Trophy winner and he's one of the most dynamic runners in football, period. So if your quarterback is the most dynamic runner, that's okay. You just need other guys that can share the load with them and also be dynamic. So, you know, that you know, to me, that's the biggest concern is who, who is it going to be that's going to step up and convince the coaches that like, yeah, we don't need to give the ball to Adrian, you know, 18 to 20 times, 18 to 20 times, excuse me, to win games, because that's really the, that to me, that's the rub, you know, they've gotten down to it the last two years at running back where they ended up going to Wando Robinson for large stretches of, of, you know, games or chunks of the season, and he wasn't really built. I mean, he's a tough runner and willing to stick his nose in there and, and run between the tackles and all that. But he's not really built to to handle that kind of workload. And and Adrian, you know, he's obviously Adrian's bigger and stronger and all that. But like, you don't want your quarterback ramming it up in there twenty times a game either. So um, I, I th- it's okay if he's the most dynamic guy, but they need to find somebody that they trust. Um, or a couple of somebodies that they trust to, to give the ball to, um, you know, more often uh, to help take the load off of Adrian. And that'll help keep him healthy and fast and dynamic all the way through the season. 
Parker Gabriel with us, Lincoln Journal star and HuskerExtra.com. All right, so carrying that load, and we haven't seen Marquise step, um, so we don't really know about him. But out of who we saw in the in the spring game, where would you stack it? Who who are the two guys? Just based off that alone, maybe the maybe the scrimmage that you were able to see earlier, plus the spring game. Who are your top two guys at the tailback position? Yeah, that, that's a great question. It's it's a hard call, and I I. I don't mean this as a cop-out. I'll give you two, but I do think they'll probably, you know, cycle through more than that, even in addition to Marquis step. I would say, I would say that probably the two that I feel the best about right now are um, Gabe Irvin and it's really a toss up between uh, Yant and, and Jacquez Yant and, and, and Savion Morrison. Now, you know, Morrison's a guy who I thought he looked good on Saturday, but you have to, I don't, you don't have to, but I qualify that a little bit with the fact that it's the first time we've ever seen him play and he's been on campus for more than a year. He had a rough year last year, uh, you know, just luck-wise. He had a minor injury, then he got COVID, then he had another minor injury and he missed the whole year. Um, and then he's missed some time this spring. And so, you know, the, the guy's a freshman. It's it's totally possible that he's just, you know, he's just had a, a bad run of luck with that stuff and he's going to be healthy the rest of his career. Um, but, you know, you, you got to be available um, to consistently make, make an impact. So, um, but, but I say all that and I really do think that Marvin Scott and, and Ronald Tompkins have a chance to be right in the mix too. And so it's really wide open. Um, I, I, if I had to guess and just eye test and then, you know, talking to some people too and all that, like I, I think um, Gabe Irvin probably, um, you know, is going to be in the mix some way, somehow, maybe he's the top guy. Uh, maybe at the end of the day, he's not the top guy, but I, I think that the, the, the freshman has impressed so far. Um, and he's put himself in position to to be in the conversation at least uh, this summer. Yeah, it's interesting you bring him up because out of everybody you talk to about, hey, who's in your top two? He's he's consensus. You know, he's like Gabe yeah. Irvin. You're like, oh, Gabe Irvin, Gabe Irvin. And then from there, it's a total roll of the dice. Is <laughs> is Marvin Scott like the Rodney Dangerfield of the of the backfield right now? Like he started, he he got right. the most yards. He is getting by far the least amount of talk and run from from everybody. Yeah, he's like the he's well he's also at all of twenty nine career carries. He's like the old man in the room too, uh, <laughs> right? You know, outside of Ramirez Johnson, who was you know Ramirez Johnson's another guy. He was injured all of spring, and then you throw him back in there, and, and you'll see what he can do if he's if he's healthy and available over the summer. But yeah, I mean, Marvin Scott, you know, he had seventy five yards in the spring game. He looked pretty good. He's probably got the most experience and the thing that the thing that it's easy to lose sight of when when a, when Jacquez Yant bowls the guy over or when you hear good things about Gabe Irvin or whatever you know the thing about Scott that is good to remember is that in his short time playing last year he he really impressed Scott Frost like Frost had that day where he talked about you know he remember the game that McCaffrey, I think it was one of the games McCaffrey started where he threw it left-handed and Scott caught it, and it was like a 14-yard game for a first down on third and 12 or something like that. And Frost talked on Monday after that 
about calling Marvin Scott and saying like, Hey, that's exactly, you know, you did exactly what we needed. You stepped up, you know, you, and you handled your business. And so, you know, that sort of impression doesn't just go away. Um, and so he, he's in a good spot. Um, he, you know, talked after the game about wanting to work on his breakaway speed. I think that's good. You know, he's, he's not a guy that's shown the ability to, um, you know, fully hit the home run. He had a good, he had a good long run, 40 yards or something like that during the spring game. But, but he's a guy who's coming along and who they like and, and has a little bit more experience. And so that's why I say, like, I really think, like, I think that Urban um, finds his way into that mix some way or another. And then after that, man, it is just such a toss up. It's so wide open. And I think it will be literally until, you know, until game week. Parker Gabriel with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Parker, it's not the worst problem in the world to have so many names in the running back room, but with with such a logjam for playing time, are you expecting all these guys that we're currently talking about to still be here in the fall, or do you think we're going to get a transfer or two uh, before fall camp rolls around? Yeah, that's a good question. You never really know. It's always possible, um, you know, and it, it's hard to say. You know, that there's a little bit of doubt uh, – there can be a little bit of doubt right now in any of those guys' mind about exactly what it looks like. I'm sure that they're, you know, trying to communicate clearly. Ryan Held's always that type of guy. He'll tell you where you stand, you know, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. But without Marquis Steph having been involved and without Ramirez Johnson having been involved, you know, if you're any of those guys, you, you it's it's natural to get home after practice and say, okay, man, am I number two? Am I number six? Am I going to drop when those guys come back? You know, what, where where is it at? So um, you try not to worry about that stuff as a player, but it, it's hard not to all the time. So I'm sure those conversations are happening as as uh, as finals wrap up here over the past week and. You know, you can never count it out. They have they have a good number of scholarship guys. Plus, obviously, Yance is a as a promising walk on there. So um, you never rule it out. But but I don't know, you know, of anything categorically or anything like that. So that'll just be something to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. Moving over to uh, the defensive side of the ball, the the loss of Will Honus obviously affects your depth at at middle linebacker. But there's a couple recruits or not. Uh, they're not recruits. They are actually players. But at one time they were recruits. Um, sure. That it, it's funny. They seem to have almost been written off in some circles, but they're still trying to figure things out. I'm just wondering where you net out on a couple of guys like Jackson Hanna, who's now entering, I believe it'd be his third year in the program. Yep. But still sophomore, right? Like at a, at a middle yep. linebacker. I mean, that requires you to be a man. It's not like you walk out in as a true freshman and make a huge dent there. And then uh, Ataba Moaga Clemens, um, the undersized JUCO that Nebraska netted last year. That so neither of those two guys have been able to see the field much, but it feels like one of them is going to have to. Do you think they f- factor for Nebraska this year? And then if you had to pick one or the other, which one do you think would? Yeah, that's a good question. We saw both of them pretty extensively on Saturday, but you're right. I mean, we, we haven't heard much about them besides that. So um, probably tough to, for you know, to say with any accuracy which one, but I do think you're right. I mean, they both sort of slid up the up the ladder a rung um, with Will Honus going down. So you've got a pretty clear top trio of uh, Luke Reimer, Nick Henrich, and Chris Kolarovic, the graduate transfer from, from Northern Iowa. And then after that, you know, Honus would have, Honus gave that, that, you know, uh, Barrett Rude four guys there that you could pretty much play interchangeably. 
And that's, that's really nice. Even if you, you know, over the course of a year, if a guy misses a game and then another guy misses a game, you've got plenty of coverage. Three's enough. They've, they've functionally really gone with essentially a three-man rotation the past couple of years, but it puts you in a spot where if a guy gets hurt, you're, you're playing a ton of snaps. So I, I tend to think the next guy in line um, is Garrett Snodgrass. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that is sort of you get to the Jackson Hanna and, and Va, Malga Clements. And so, you know, I thought for the book on Malga Clements uh, last year was that you know, they, they liked him. He played a little on special teams. But he had never really he, – he had not played inside linebacker the way you play inside linebacker in the Big Ten. I mean, he had been – at the junior college he played at, I mean, he was, a, he was a safety in high school and even a DB his first year of, of junior college. And then he was a second-level player his second year in junior college. But he – Barrett said his blitz rate was like 85%. Like, the, he just – he just ran around and, and hit people. You know, you weren't reading and flowing and scraping and taking on blocks and shedding blocks and all that. Like he was just a rocket ship where they lined him up and said, okay, you know, go, go hit the quarterback or go tackle the guy in the backfield. So, you know, it's different. Um, and he's a little undersized and all that same with Jackson Hanna. Um, but they both have attributes that you like. And I think this was a big spring for both of them to sort of take a step forward. I thought just, complete amateur, um, you know, complete amateur scouting report. I thought Va looked a little more comfortable than I expected him to um, in the spring game. You know, I thought he made some plays that were just sort of like in the, in the scheme of the defense, so to speak, or that just look like normal plays, which is a good sign um, in my mind. But I don't know if that means he's more ready or less ready or whatever. So, those are two guys that, you know, beyond the top four now, um, you know, the top three and, 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 and Garrett Snodgrass. I mean, those are probably the next guys in line. Um, and it would really be beneficial, uh, you know, if Barrett Root in his heart of hearts thought, okay, I can get away with a couple few series um, with these guys in a game if we have to. One last thought here before we let you go, Parker, and thanks for taking the time out of your Saturday morning to, to join us here. Um, but it, even with the loss of Will Honus, I think Husker fans are still uh, expecting big things from this Husker defense with all, with all the starters from last year returning. Um, so I just want to ask you, what is a, a realistic ceiling for this defense? Or are we talking top 25 level defense uh, in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, where, they're, that's where they're aiming. Um, you know, I, that's still a pretty good that's still a good jump if the, to play as a top 25 defense over the course of the entire 2021 season would be a big jump from, from where they were last year, but it wouldn't be that big of a jump from where they played sort of the second half of last year. So I think it's attainable. Um, they're going to have to do a couple of things um, to make that a reality. And for, I mean, you know, the other part of that is, you know, they're, they're playing. I mean, you, when you got, Oklahoma and Ohio State on the roster or on the schedule. I mean, you're just even if you go beat one of those teams, you're probably not holding either of those teams. You know, not many people are going out there and holding those teams to ten points or something like that. So you know, you always take into account the the, the numbers are a big part of the equation. The eye test is part of the equation. You know, what you do um, in your division is always part of the equation. But yeah, I mean, I, to me, there's two big things. If they can affect the quarterback more often than they did last year you know, not just sacks, but just pressure, you know, make the quarterback, get the quarterback out of rhythm, 
and all of that, you know, hit the quarterback, be around the quarterback, annoy the quarterback more um, than they did last year. And if they can take the ball away more than they did last year, I think they had the numbers over the last seven games were just not very good. And it was interesting because they got off the field at an incredible rate on third downs. They were one of the best teams in the country, third down stop rate over the second half of the season. They didn't take the ball away from anybody. So if you can, you don't have to be, at 15% third down conversions allowed the whole year, you know, but if you're in a solid top 30 type range there, you take the ball away a little bit more and you make, you know, a few more big plays here and there. Uh, that's the recipe for a really good defense. So that's, um, they were solid last year. Um, they played well down the stretch. They were like, a, it was just sort of like a very workmanlike group. Um, and if they add, a little bit of big play, um, you know, capability to that this fall. They've got a chance to be pretty good. Yep. Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star and HuskerExtra.com. Really appreciate your time this morning, man. Good to catch up with you. Yep. Have a good one, guys. You too. All right. There's Parker Gabriel and um, Gary Sharp is on the way next. Elijah, you're going to you're gonna handle that solo because we got a very important um, baseball game today with the Ironbirds. The Iron, where are taking, the Ironbirds? Are you, so is your son on the Ironbirds? Is that what it's? He's on. He's on the Ironbirds. Okay, uh, who are they playing? They're playing. Uh, so it's cool. All the teams are named after minor league teams, right? Uh, and it's kind of cool because, like, so the the, the Ironbirds are based on a, a team in the Orioles farm system called uh-huh. Aberdeen. Um, let me see. They're playing the Blue Rocks. Today. Oh, is that like is that, a is that a is that a Breaking Bad reference, Walter White? The Blue Rocks. I hope not. <laughs> what, are, what kind of team are we playing here? Bunch of flunky addicts, kids. This is going to be crazy. Um, but you got it the rest of the way. Appreciate you, Elijah. And um, yeah, we'll step aside. The Hill Varsity Radio Show rolls on, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back in on a Saturday morning edition, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. It's Elijah Herbal taking you through the rest of the show. Big thanks to Parker Gabriel who's with us last segment. It's Brandon Vogel uh, out on paternity leave for the next couple of weeks. Big thanks to Parker for stepping in, joining us on a Saturday morning edition. Again, you can find him and follow him on Twitter at HuskerExtraPG. Uh, but excited now to welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, joining us from up in Omaha. You listen to the Gary Sharp Show weekdays uh, up in Omaha. And Gary, first time we've t- chatted since the spring game last week, just off the bat, how awesome was it to, to have fans back in Memorial Stadium cheering on the Huskers? Well, first of all, good morning, Elijah. Um, it was, uh, you know, it felt normal again. I, I think a lot of people were, you know, had been back in that stadium some since November of 19. It was kind of a, a step towards uh, the new normal or normalcy to be back in the stadium. And you could tell it had an effect on the guys that were on the field. I mean, it's just something special about that place, even with 36,000 people there. And to go a step further, it not only impacted guys on the field to, you know, that, that maybe this is their second year in the program, they didn't get to experience fans last year, but it definitely had an impact on recruits if you hear about the prospects in the 22 and 23 class that found their way into this stadium. It was just, it was a really good day. It was, I, I think it was, for the most part, it was a win-win day. 
uh, for Nebraska. Uh, and, you know, hopefully when it rolls around to September 4th, there's uh, 50,000 other people that will join those 36,000 in the stands. Gary, uh, getting into the game itself, I think uh, you, you can never take too many takeaways away from a spring game, really a glorified practice. I, I think that's what you hear every single year. Um, but I'm going to get some takeaways anyway, um, just because I can. And whenever you, you, you look at the game, I think everyone was intrigued by the running back position after seeing how much Adrian had to carry the ball last year uh, and, and just the, the ineffectiveness of the running backs last year. So, so when you look at the, the running back position, are, are you more concerned about that position after the spring game or are you less concerned? Well, I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag. I, I think Nebraska has recruited themselves into some options. Uh, the way that they have really likes his guys in the room. It's unfortunate that we did not get to see all of them go through spring. I think we know what we have in Marquis Step, but anytime running back has a foot injury, you got to keep that in the back of your mind. But what happened is, as guys were coming in and out of the practice schedule with their health or availability, Gabe Irvin was available. I mean, that's, that's the, one of the biggest things. If you're available, you got a shot. And Gabe Irvin took advantage of his opportunity. And I, I think he's played himself into he's going to be one of the first people to carry the football um, 16 weeks from today. Uh, he looks a little bit different. I like how he cuts. I think he's pretty decisive. I think he can read his blocks. He's only going to get better with experience because, remember, he was able to make this progress, and he'd only been here for five months. Um, you know, then there was, you know, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Marvin Scott. What's his role? Uh, what's Savion Morrison? What is he going to do? Where's Ramir Johnson? You know, where is Tompkins? And then the big one, because of his size, is, is Yamp more than just a spring fling? Is he somebody that Nebraska will utilize when they get to the fall? I think Ryan Held has some options. I'm not discouraged by the running back room. I would like to have some more experience and be able to uh, definitively say this guy is going to do blank, but I think they're in a better situation than they were last year. But the running back position under this current staff, it comes down to who can you trust play in and play out, play in and play out, not just first down and second down you make a mistake, but to stay on the field the entire time. And if they can get to that point where they trust one guy or two guys play in and play out, you may get that quote-unquote bell cow, Elijah, where you could have a running back carry the ball 20 or more times a game. I keep thinking about the last time Nebraska had a running back just carry the ball an abundance of times was a mirror against Miami in 14 when he carried the ball 35 times. I don't see that on this roster, but I think there's plenty of options for Ryan Held when you roll around to August. But you also don't know what will happen in that room. Maybe somebody decides, hey, there's a lot of people in front of me. I'm not going to be able to get the football. I want to go somewhere else. We'll have to keep an eye on that between now and July 1. Yeah, well, one of the things I'll say about Amir is that you could tell his freshman year that, that he had the talent to, to be successful at Nebraska. I think back to that kickoff turn against Fresno State. I can say the same for Rex Burkett as his freshman year. He was splitting some carries with uh, Roy Hallou. Uh, and the two freshmen, Gabe Irvin and Yant, both put on a, a pretty good performance Saturday and don't want to read too far into it. But what do you think that means for guys like Ramir Johnson uh, and and this, the other experienced backs who have been here for a couple of years but have, have never seemed to, to differentiate themselves from the pack? Do you think that Gabe Irvin and Yant now have, have a step up on them just because, I mean, as freshmen, they, they seem to be showing themselves well? Well, it's all about availability. If you're available to play, you're in the good eyes of the coach. You know, I, I think the only one that is really – really kind of the most experienced guy in that running back room is Ramir Johnson. And he's the guy we saw less of uh, this spring. I don't know what's going on with him. You know, it's when he has been on the field, he has, he has played well, but he's not on the field consistently. So there's something that happens during the week 
uh, either not knowing the plays or whatever, they can't trust him playing a playoff, that that doesn't translate to more playing time on, on Saturday. Um, we'll, we'll see. I, I, it's competitive room. you got some guys that have, have committed to, to being here and trying to win that job. I could see Nebraska roll into this season where they have two or three key running backs and maybe a fourth. Uh, the wild card will be Yan. How do they decide to use Yan? He's got to get in shape in the offseason. But what is, his, what is his role? Is he one of the three or is he a fourth guy? Because I think at this point you have to – think that Irvin and Step have a have a one or a two on that ledger who is the third guy and are they willing to go to a fourth guy which I think they would be uh, comfortable sticking with three talking with Gary Sharp here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio you can find him on Twitter at Gary Sharp 1620 you hear him on 1620 the zone weekdays from 10 to 2 and Gary the thing is is you can have the most talented running back in the world uh, and they still might not be productive if they're they're behind a bad offensive line um, but Scott Frost is really praised his offensive line at both lines of scrimmage really this spring saying they, they brought a, a more physical edge this spring I just want to get your takeaways from the offensive line we're not 100% sure who the starting five is going to be um, but I, I thought they looked physical and impressive on Saturday well you, you're right Elijah and, and you know uh, the one thing we got spoiled around here when we had the run of Halu and Burkhead and, and, and Amir is especially with Amir he was an eraser if you had a bad offensive line in front of him or somebody made a bad block Amir was so talented that he could make up for it, and you you might not know that the the blocking up front was off. I don't think Nebraska has that, but I also think they have an offensive line that, first and foremost, their quarterback is comfortable behind, and and that's where it starts. If a quarterback is comfortable behind the offensive line, everybody else can sense that. I think this offensive line is a smarter offensive line. I think they want to be a downhill running physical football team. Now they can only do so much. They can buy hats. They can talk about it. But you have to gain the trust of the guy calling the plays that in key situations on third and five, he's not going to look at a pass. He's going to say, you know what, my big boys up front can go get five. I think we need to be cautious about the offensive line. I'm a, I'm, I like the offensive line, but we can't just assume, Elijah, because they're a year older, they're going to be better. Um, they've got talent there, but it's still kind of young. You still have one tackle that'll be going to a second year as a starter, another one that's only started one game but has plenty of promise and might be when he's done here one of the top you know top draft picks on the offensive line which Nebraska for recruiting purposes and just the field the program desperately needs. You know Cam Jurgens had a really kind of a quiet uh, spring and it wasn't anything about snapping. We never heard about any snapping issues and we know when Cam can get those taken care of. He can get out. He can get to the second level. I, I think if they can develop some chemistry and the offense play callers dedicate, let's run the football, then I think the running backs and the quarterbacks can all go hand in hand. But, uh, you know, that'll be a big mystery this year. But I do like the fact that they decided to ramp it up in the spring and they were physical because you're not going to be, as, you're not going to be able to be as physical in the fall as you were in the spring. But also it's a mindset. And it also shows you that Nebraska is comfortable with their depth, that they're willing to turn it up a couple of notches, that they'll go physical during the spring. Unfortunately, they lost two players, both non-contact, ironically. But I like the physicality. If that's the identity where they're going, then the identity's got to carry through to the season, where if you're going to be physical and you're going to play in the Big Ten and, and the majority of your games are in the North where there's a lot of physical teams in there, then follow through on it. Just don't make it uh, stuff that's talked about in the offseason. Show it on the field when you get there. Gary, before we talk a little Husker baseball, I want to move to the other side of the ball. Uh, defense, a little hard to evaluate on Saturday with, with the first half being uh, just thump 
uh, two-hand touch football, essentially. Um, but w- when you look at that defense, a lot of Husker fans expecting big things. Um, but we-, we now know Will Honus uh, with that knee injury, uh, most likely going to miss most of the season, if not all of the season next year. Uh, how big is that loss? I mean, I mean, we had a lot of guys rotating through that inside linebacker position on, on Saturday, and-, and it seems like that's a position where they actually have some depth this year. Well, you know, the, the thing, let's first talk about Will. I feel terrible for Will. Here's a guy that came back for his sixth year that was not a natural fit for the, the 3-4 defense. Um, and he came in and he found a way to adapt. And I really thought last year he had a comfort level and he was playing much better. Uh, and, you know, he was one of those guys that said, hey, I'm a super senior. I'm going to come back because I feel like I can help my stock, but I also like the direction of the team. And Barrett Root had a really good spring. You look at his inside linebackers, whether they were walk-ons, whether they're scholarship guys, whether they just showed up, they had a really, really good spring. And it's unfortunate that Will went down, and especially when you hear the story about he was injured early in practice, came back, he just wanted to get some reps at the end, and kind of a, a freak injury, and now he's out, and it doesn't, the injury just does not sound good at all. I don't, you know, almost to the point where you wonder, well, will Will play football anymore? But with that said, you never want to, you know, poo-poo an injury. Nebraska catches a break because of Kalarvik transferring from Northern Iowa, and he's here to begin the spring, and he looked good. He looked physical at the point of attack. I think he's got good instincts. I think there's, he's very smart, and he's going to go with two guys. I think Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer had monster springs. Those are two really, really good football players. I've said this from the jump, Elijah. I think Luke Reimer's a Sunday guy, and Nick Henrich, now that they're going to stick him at inside, you know, he could go outside, but this case with the injury to Honey, he's going to have to play inside. I think, I think Nebraska is going to be in a good spot at inside linebacker now and for the future because I think Randolph Kapai, who just needs to get a little bit bigger, the linebacker from Sioux Falls, I think he's a gem that Nebraska got. So I like the inside linebacker uh, core, um, and I think Barrett Root has had a really good spring. It sucks for Will, um, but Nebraska at least has somebody in place that they have three guys that they can count on. Now they've got to find a fourth guy before the season starts. Gary, let's, let's shift gears here, talk a little Husker baseball. They had a disappointing outing last weekend in front of big crowds at Memorial Stadium against Rutgers. They, they do get a, a second chance this weekend against Rutgers. They've already lost the season series, but they do have a chance to get a couple games back. Uh, but first, they take on the Big Ten leaders in Indiana. I just want to ask, when you're looking at this weekend, what would you consider to be a success for Husker baseball? Um, because uh, another poor showing this weekend, and you're going to lose a lot of ground in the Big Ten standings. Well, yeah, you're right, and it was good seeing you out there uh, shirtless out on the berm hanging out with all your buddies. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, that was, that was a major letdown. I mean, Nebraska had just become ranked. It looked like they were going to be in a position to host a regional, get a top 16 national seat, albeit number 16, but it would be kind of one of the goals for Nebraska. And give credit to Rutgers. Rutgers came in and kind of nebraska Nebraska. The way they played, they battled. Um, they didn't give up. You know, Nebraska's – bullpen which had been so good fell apart and i thought nebraska then on sunday was listless and i got called out by their head coach that's why this four game pod that they're about to go on where they're going to play indiana and rutgers for two i think it's fascinating and it shows you a lot of insight on the moxie of this team you never want to overreact at this point nebraska is still in the ncaa tournament they probably lost any chance i think they've lost any chance of hosting a regional we'll find out either on thursday or friday when the ncaa announces the 20 but what has to happen now is Nebraska has to stay in the NCAA tournament. You know, they're probably a three-seed. They can't go to the East Coast and drop an egg. But what happens here, the schedule sets, get into a revenge on Rutgers, and then they're going to play, um, you know, another great opponent. So it's all out in front of Nebraska. 
We'll see how they react. This is the first time this year they've had some adversity. I think they'll react well. I wonder what they do with the pitching, how Will handles the pitching. You know, we got a good news for Kyle Perry could possibly come back when we thought he was done. Um, that'll be the thing. I, I, I think Nebraska also hitting with runners in scoring position. They just need to get back to what they were doing before last week. You can't let last weekend sweep as bad as it was affect you this weekend because you have to win three of four, in my opinion, to stay in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it only gets tougher from here. Northwestern next weekend at home, and Northwestern is on a COVID pause, so you don't know if that series is going to happen. And then you've got the, the big finishing series uh, at the end of the year with Michigan. So it's in front of Nebraska. They can bounce back. The schedule sets up well. You just can't let last weekend's three-game sweep directors beat you for another three games on the East Coast. Now, now, one of the things that's different this week is, is that Will Bolt didn't announce the weekend starters aside from, I think, Cade Povich was the only starter that he announced. Is that a result of the showing from last week? Is that a result of Kyle Perry coming back? You're not sure what the rotation's going to be? Um, or or is, is it something else entirely? Uh, just that, that seemed a little different from Will Bolt this weekend. I, I just want to get your insight on it. Uh, I think it's a little game and chip. Um, you know, he, uh, he's very confident in his starters. Uh, definitely is number one. I mean, Cade Povich is an ace. Uh, I think it's gamemanship to see kind of what happens after game one, how you react, um, you know, because of, you know, you look how the schedule is set up, you're playing two today. Uh, I think Kate will pitch well. He'll give you a chance, which he normally does. And then you kind of try and figure out some things. You mix and match uh, from there. But I like that Will has a sense of urgency. I know baseball is, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but, when you're in this situation and you're playing a conference-only schedule and you don't have a fallback of a conference tournament to help your stock, every game matters. And I like that from Will, that he realized that his team laid an egg and he apologized on Sunday. I don't think he needed to do that. But, you know, he got after him this week. And this is now go time because once you get through this week, you know, all it is is baseball. You're not going to school anymore. So you can focus on baseball. And this is actually a great time of the year. You would love to have a good taste in your mouth when you come back to Lincoln. And I think Will is, you know, this is the first test of, uh, for Will as a head coach. And I think he'll push the right button because I like his approach this week and really challenging guys. Instead of moping around, he said, that's not who we are. And also, you look at the standings. I mean, as, as down as people are about getting swept by Rutgers. And again, Rutgers is playing well. They went back-to-back weekends winning against Michigan and Nebraska. Um, you look at the standings, why, why, why keep your head down and mope around? only half game out of first place it's not like this blew you out of the ncaa tournament but you can play yourself in you can play yourself out this weekend and the next couple of weekends a few minutes left here with gary sharp saturday morning edition of hail varsity radio and, and, and gary it just seems like the mood is kind of flipped this week despite the fact the huskers are still only a, a half game back but I, I think it's just because the hardest part of the husker schedule is still to come and, and if the huskers still want to have a, a, a chance at that big 10 crown with, without a big 10 tournament this year what, what do they have to do this weekend? Is, is it 3-1? and one? Is, is it 4-0? Oh? you, you got to think that a couple losses to Indiana and maybe splitting with Rutgers means the Huskers are going to find themselves a few games back uh, in, in the Big Ten race uh, with not that much time left in the season. Yeah, you, you're, you're right about the, the mood because it's kind of the, the Nebraska athletic thing. You get ranked, you get a lot of attention, the weather was nice, the crowd, and Nebraska does not perform up to their capabilities. And they are definitely capable. I mean, they're in first place in the Big Ten until last weekend. Again, I keep going back. Rutgers played really well. We've got to give Rutgers credit. Nebraska didn't match it, but Nebraska, uh, Rutgers played really well. So with that said, you got two games this weekend against Rutgers. You owe them. 
I think Nebraska's got to go away three or four. It doesn't matter how you do it. You know, we kind of tried to pick through the Michigan State series the week before and say, well, how did they win? Well, they won. I hope, though, that the back-to-back series in East Lansing and Lincoln are not now some Band-Aids getting pulled off of wounds and some ails for Nebraska. Um, they, need to, they need to respond to kind. I think three or four this weekend, they're sitting good. I don't think they'll be one of the 20 for a regional spot when that's announced later this week. But if they take care of business this weekend, I think they're getting closer to really solidifying their, their, their shot in the NCAA tournament. They will be in the field of 64. There he is, Gary Sharp. You can find him and follow him on Twitter at GarySharp1620. Uh, Gary, before I let you go, about 15 seconds here. Anything uh, fun on the docket for you this weekend? Moms, uh, moms, then. Elijah, for all the moms that, you've, uh, that have loved you and you've loved, you got to take care of mom this weekend. You know, mom, we'll give them flowers and stuff, or we'll make them dinner, which is great. Take them out for dinner, take them out for brunch, you know, go out for drinks with your mom. But most important is don't forget the card. They always have the card. The flowers are going to die like in 10 days. But don't <laughs> forget about the card. Get the card because mom likes the card. But I wish everybody out there a happy Mother's Day. Moms have been so important in all of our lives, um, regardless if we're in the sports world or not, and especially for all the moms in the last year that have had to go the extra mile. And for the moms in this week that are nurses and our teachers, thank you very much. So. I hope you take care of your uh, mom, Elijah, and all the other uh, mothers that you are involved with. Gary, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Be good this weekend, all right? Hey, thank you. There he is, Gary Sharp, joining us on a Saturday morning edition. And just like that, we're actually all out of time here on the Saturday morning edition. We'll be back Monday, 4 to 6 p.m. here on ESPN. Lincoln, find the podcast, uh, whatever streaming service you like to use, back Monday. Thanks. Have a good one.